This morning, I want to share with you an important message that I think is quite vital, and in fact, the reason we are in the plight we are in as a nation. This is not a side issue. This is a direct issue, in my opinion, to understanding our positioning. Today is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. And in this, I want to share with you the basic principles of life that are absolutely foundational to our existence. If you were to take the smallest particle of the building blocks of life, an atom, and you're to crush it and split it, what will take place is an atomic explosion. That's what diminishing and crushing the most basic part of human life will become. Socially, economically, morally, spiritually. So if you're to take the most basic essential element of human life, which is the sanctity of life, and crush it and split it and destroy it, you will find yourself in the explosion of where we are today. It's the building block of life. It is essential. It's not a secondary issue. It is essential, and most of us are passing by it because it's been with us for so long that we're looking to other things now, when the essential building block of the sanctity of life is the reason we live, move, and breathe according to a moral principle. If you diminish the value of life, you diminish all law. Sam Harris is one of the new atheists, and he just loves to destroy and attack Christianity, Islam, any, any religious consideration. He's an atheist, and uh, I don't know if you've listened to any of his talks, any of his arguments, any of his points, but he is quite popular. The new atheists have really made it legitimate to leave faith behind and come into the 21st century with a scientific atheistic mindset, which the majority of Americans now have, thanks to this evangelist for atheism. But he makes a point in one of his speeches rather smugly and he says, with all of the suffering in the world, why is God more interested in what goes on in my bedroom? And the audience laughs. The moral opinions of Christians, so concerned about people's sexuality when the world is absolutely in turmoil and in great suffering. What kind of God would allow this? But what Sam Harris neglects to understand is the very basic atomic principle of the sanctity of life and the fact that God has given us the sacred act of making a human being through sexual relations. It is the highest thing that humans can do is to create another eternal soul. It's not for recreation. It's not for uh, exploitation. It is for life. 
And it has the power of life. That's why God's concerned with your sexuality. That's why God is concerned with what goes on in the bedroom because most of the suffering that has led to the planet's pain and ache has been caused through the failure of understanding the sacredness of life. That's what we uphold today. The sanctity of life. Therefore, the process by which you make and propagate life is sacred and vitally important. The psalmist said this in Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Life is sacred and holy. From the moment of conception, an eternal soul is made. And as it grows and develops, it is made in the image of God. God is fully aware of this life. And we as a people are to hold it sacred, as sacred as we hold our own. So how could we destroy the most basic concept and think we could live without the pain and suffering of life? Consider the baby in the mother's womb. As we look. After the 18th day I was created, I had a heart. During the second month, my arms, legs, and organs started to grow. At the ninth week, I learned how to suck on my thumb. And I could start to smell all of the yummy foods. I also discovered that I could make silly faces. At the fourth month, I could start to hear sounds and see light. But trust me, it was still dark in there. During the fifth month, I learned how to cry. During the 21st and 24th weeks, I started practicing breathing for my big arrival. I also started to recognize my mommy and daddy's voice during this time. At month seven, all my senses were developed. I started to hear my mommy's favorite music. And I found out my mom's favorite food was pickles. Ooh! During month eight, I doubled my size. It was starting to get really tight. At month nine, I was ready to come out and see my mommy and daddy. These lives are not expendable. In most states, abortions are legal up into the ninth month. I'm afraid that in the new regime, there are governors of states that are recommending abortion after live birth. 
That's infanticide. Nine short months, a human being develops into a life outside the womb. Location is not the indicator as to whether a child is a human being or not. At the moment of conception, there is the sacredness of life, and we are throwing them out for convenience. You know, 19% of all pregnancies end in an abortion. Here's the three leading reasons for abortions. 19% say, we're done having children, we don't want any more. 23% say, we just can't afford a child. With that goes the arguments of the child's better not coming into an environment that may be in poverty or harmful. That reasoning makes no sense to those who are living in poverty. 25% just say, I'm not ready for a child. This is a problem for my life and what I had projected for it. Then again, the reason God's concerned with your sexual life because of the sacredness of the act and the power for what it can produce. The main argument is, well, what about rape and incest? The cases are 0.5% when that is the problem or the occasion. That would mean 99.5% of abortions are with a healthy mother and a healthy child. These statistics are mind-boggling. Ever since the United States was formed and began its activity in any kind of a war, 1776, the Revolutionary War, to the time that we come to 2011, all the wars that the United States has been involved with, its casualties have been 1.2 million. But since Roe v. Wade in 1973 to 2011, the number of abortions is 53 million lives. In that short span of time, when we legalized abortion, you can see what has happened. The blood in this nation is outrageous. It is now 60 million by 2020. So, my brothers and sisters, this is an issue. Every 26 seconds, a child loses their life in an abortion in the United States. 90% of women choose not to abort their child after seeing an ultrasound of their baby. That's why Planned Parenthood wants to make sure they do not have ultrasounds at their facilities and that women do not see their babies. Because they've been taught a lie that it's just a mass of cells and a, not even a living organism, it's just some kind of conglomeration, which is absolute foolishness. Secondly, the abortion industry makes a lot of money on selling fetal 
tissue. Money drives issues. All the way from cosmetics to vaccines, fetal tissue is used. And so the abortion industry brings a lot of revenue in. But this is not just about abortion. When we talk about the sanctity of life, we also have 150 million orphans worldwide. 16,000 children die daily. 12 per minute. 720 per hour for neglect and a lack. 21 million are brought into slavery and sex trafficking. There's a real lack of the sanctity of human life and the care for the weakest members of our society and culture. The quality of a culture is how well it takes care of its weakest members. We flush them down the drain. This is a travesty. So what is the solution? What is the answer for America? What has been declared and what we've been working towards is trying to get an administration that will reverse Roe v. Wade. We've been working on that very uh, diligently since 73. We've protested, we've marched, we've spoken out, we've elected officials that say they're pro-life, and nothing's changed. It is decreasing, but it's because the message is getting to the younger generation that this is life because of newer technologies. They're seeing that these are real babies. So the concept has been if all the Christians would just vote for the right politician, one man could fix it for us. But that's not, <laughs> that has not happened and it's still a problem. The solution is not political. Though we must vote to save lives, most definitely, don't get me wrong, we must continue to vote for the pro-life platform and the sanctity of life. But the issue, the issue is not going to be solved by politics. Politics runs basically on the same premise that abortion clinics do. Politicians follow the populace. They dictate policy that will sustain their re-election. What has to change is the heart and soul of the nation. And the people elected to change individuals' lives and souls are you and I, the church. It is to speak of the sanctity of life. It is to speak out. It is to tell others. It is to proclaim the message that life matters. It is to vote for the right platform, but it is more than that. It's more than checking a box and saying, you fought the fight. It takes us living a life where we combine our efforts together to win this world to Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this, it'll hurt some feelings, but one of the worst ideas is to mix your nationalism with the kingdom of God. Don't think that if you mix your Jesus with the American way, then God's going to save America. Don't you see where we're at? 60 million babies dead. 
Don't you see? How can God bless America with so much blood in the land? And we think some elected official will change God's mind on the situation. Do you think even changing Roe v. Wade would fix the destruction and the brokenness between God and the people? The people need salvation. The people need Jesus. The remedy to the sanctity of life is the gospel of Jesus Christ that must be proclaimed by the people of God. We've got to do the work that we've been called to do. It's more than a vote every four years. Please understand this. We as a people have fought for abortion uh, against abortion. We have warned this nation for years. We have told them it is against God's will. We have told them that it will only reap destruction and it will cause that the, the sanctity of life in all measures will ruin our nation if we destroy our children through abortion. But they've not listened. They're ignoring the call. They're ignoring the warning. And so, God will judge the nation. But pastor, if there's enough of us praying, he won't judge the nation. We've prayed. We've cried. We've interceded. We've picketed. We've rallied. We've done everything. And we're ignored. There are four forms of judgment that God brings. I want you to understand where we're at in the scheme of things. First form of judgment is that of eternal wrath. That is the final wrath that will be poured out on all sin. That is a wrath yet to come. Eschatologically, it is not here. It's going to come at the end of the age when Christ returns, sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, and then we enter into the eternal wrath of God. You and I will not come under that wrath, Paul says, because Jesus saved us from the wrath of God. So we're free from that wrath. That's the wrath that Paul's talking about us being free from. Thank God for that. Can I get an amen on that? That judgment's coming. It is not here yet. Then there is the second kind of wrath, God's judgment, we have seen throughout Scripture, where God brings something cataclysmic. We saw the flood destroy the human race. We saw fire and brimstone come down on Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw that God was going to destroy, destroy a whole nation called Nineveh, except they heard the voice of the prophet and repented they would have been destroyed as well. So there are times when tsunamis or wrath or occurrences come as a judgment to a nation to tear it down so that it has an opportunity to rebuild and reestablish itself based on God's laws, if they will heed the call. The third type of judgment is forsaking wrath, removing restraint. I'd like to read that to you and tell me if this sounds familiar to you. It's in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, again, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, third time, God gave them up to a debased mind to what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice these things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The United States of America. So this judgment is God letting them do their thing. The only remedy for this kind of wrath that is being loosed or the straining let go is that the church would preach the gospel of repentance. Again, as I say, our solution must come from the smallest atom, from the smallest part, the sanctity of life, which comes from the most basic principle that we were created in God's image. And the basic principle in all of this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For if we have abortion and the neglect of the sanctity of life, what follows is complete sexual immorality, moral erosion, and the failure of a nation. That, Sam Harris, is why God is concerned on what goes on behind closed doors. Because in its basic sense, the value of life is sacred and holy. And so, the solution, as we find ourselves in this wrath, is to preach the gospel. The fourth judgment that God brings is this, consequential wrath. Very simple. What you sow, you will reap. And we're in that place now as well. Three and four are the situation we're in. So what the word says is, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. If you no longer trust in God and turn away from him as atheists, so your nation will go. 
The 20th century has had more deaths than all the centuries from the beginning of A.D. till the 20th century under communist atheistic rule. The value of life has lessened. What you sow, you reap. No sacredness to life, then human trafficking has increased and human slavery is in greater numbers than ever before. Most of those suffering through it are women and children. What you sow, you reap. We'll not regard the sanctity of human life. We'll not regard God's sacredness of what is the sexual act to create souls and lives. Degradation will come, perversion, and the destruction of the social fabric, ultimately the family Again, the nucleus. The devil's no fool. He went after the nucleus in the center, the most basic elements of right and wrong. The sacredness and sanctity of life and the family. What you sow, you reap. Our remedy, brothers and sisters, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have lost that most basic element in the church. We think it's political. We think it's based on a party. We think it's based on somebody else. It's based on every element of the body of Christ preaching the most basic gospel to every individual we know. Changing human hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, is the salvation of mankind. This is what is going to change things. The only reason abortions are down is because younger women are recognizing this is a life inside me. Somebody got to them and told them the truth. And it wasn't a politician. Please don't misunderstand. I'm still for voting against abortion and that platform that does that. But that's not going to solve it all. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're responsible on the right to life Sunday. We're responsible on the sanctity of life to promote life and godliness. We are the most basic element to share the love of Jesus. Proclaim the, the gospel to others and consider everyone on this planet as made in the image of God for whom Jesus died for and their life is sacred. Win them for Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, you gave Jesus, your son, to us that through him, our lives would be saved. God, there is so much blood in the land. There have been so many murders and deaths. And we've prayed. But the solution and the answer was that you sent us to go. It's time for us to speak, to stand and proclaim the most basic message we have. Jesus came and died for sinners. Every life is sacred.
Father, I pray that you will press upon each one of us by your Holy Spirit that we're the remedy. In our small way, we're the remedy to our neighbors, to our friends, to those we see around the streets, in the voting booth, in the public square. We are the solution, the carriers of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus. I therefore commission all of you with the words that Jesus has already spoken over your life. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, baptizing them, immersing them in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christ Community Church, let's do our part in our corner of the world and share the gospel. If you believe that, if you'll receive that commission and you will act upon it, say amen this morning.